Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. Joining me today is Danica XIX. She is promoting a documentary of Akira Kickstarter. And you guys know that we are big time Katsuhiro Otomo Marks. And we want to see this documentary uh, see the light of day and get the proper funding so that Danica can do what she needs to to present uh, the documentary with, with uh, all that's required. Danica, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Ed. I am so grateful to be here. It's, I feel like this is a long time coming. You know, like uh, it's a sphere of influence. So whenever I put together uh, my X-Men Grand Design comic, it was kind of a, in consequence of uh, very popular videos you did on your own YouTube channel uh, about the history of the X-Men. And uh, I came across those videos because people in my life, you know, I'm, I'm hard to relate to. I kind of keep to myself. Uh, I, I don't need anybody for, for entertainment or, or to even interact. I just need to sit at this drawing table, have the time and space to do my work, and then I'm a happy guy. But people will try to, like, relate and be like, Ed, I see you dig X-Men. Uh, what what X-Men comics should I read? I'm like, I don't even know how to tell you where to start. So I would send them your <laughs> video. And then my thought was like, why, why shouldn't there just be a comic uh, that kind of is all encompassing and things? But so you were a big influence uh, at that level. Uh, we came, we became buds through like during the quarantine COVID time when uh, the world, the world was burning around us. And I get this sense that you're pretty used to kind of doing your thing and not needing to, uh, you know, be out and about doing all kinds of nonsense, man. So, so like all the kind of stable-minded, independent kind of cartoonists and people who do their own thing, we all became closer because uh, we're watching everybody while out with all this extra free time. And we're coming up with projects of uh, just things that we want to work on. And, and uh, we have now have endless free time and we don't have to tell people Nah, like, uh, I don't feel like hanging out uh, today, man. So we bonded during that time. Here we are finally. Yes. Tell the people about this uh, Akira mm -hmm. documentary. Cartoonist Kayfabe is brought to you by the comic books that we make. Summertime 2023, Jimmy's going to have Street Angel Princess of Poverty. Uh, it collects the material that uh, Jim drew for Street Angel before the Image Comics version of Street Angel. That's what this one down here is, Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive. Uh, it's coming this summer. You have both of these books. Uh, you have all of Jimmy's Street Angel comics from the past 25 years. He's also the author of Hulk Grand Design and the artist behind Plain Janes. I'm going to have the Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus coming to you at the end of this year in time for the holidays, uh, collecting all four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree, uh, plus 140 pages of additional artwork and material to go along with that. We're collecting uh, X-Men Grand Design into a trade paperback that's going to be available this holiday season as well. And the comic that I'm working on right now is called Red Room. Crypto Killers is the name of this season of Red Room Comics. This is the cover to uh, issue number one, cover to issue number two, forthcoming in, in June. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in Red Room Comics. Uh, two trade paperbacks that are out there as we speak, uh, the Anti-Social Network and Red Room Trigger Warnings. And we have a Patreon here at Cartoonist Kayfabe where you could pledge your uh, support to the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. And uh, depending on your level of support, we could get you the videos uh, well ahead of time, thus mitigating the Kayfabe effect. Now that we're done paying the bills, let's get back to our chat with Danica. Yes, thank you. I am kickstarting. Uh, a documentary called Akira the Documentary. Very simple, very elegant. 
And it is a documentary about Akira, specifically focusing on the anime. We will touch on the manga series. You can't talk about the anime without speaking about the manga series, which I also love. And it's such a big subject. And there's so many directions and things you can talk about with it. But I felt like the anime in particular is something that was a real gateway drug for most of us for anime. I mean, it is the movie that brought anime to the West. And I also feel like in a time of AI, where we have these burgeoning programs that can create all of this art and literature and whatever, what have you, uh, which to me is like, it's not impressive. What's impressive to me is something that's made by hand, something where a human sits down like you at a desk and puts in the hours and creates something. And this is a movie that, in my opinion, is the height of hand-drawn animation. Like, this is the greatest hand-drawn animated movie of all time. And it is created almost entirely by hand. There are a couple of CGI situations, like very, very tiny in there. Um, but back then in the you know, mid to late 80s, computers were rather limited compared to what they can do today. And so I just really wanted to lift something up that shows what human beings are capable of with their hands and how amazing and impressive it is. And only the Japanese could have accomplished a feat like this. And there's so many questions that I have about Akira and how it was made because there's things in there that like blow my mind and I need to know more. And so this documentary will be an avenue for me to hopefully get some of these answers to the questions I have. Specifically, here's one of many questions that I have, but so there's all these holograms in this movie, right? And these holograms are, from what I understand, created by using airbrush. And I used to be an airbrush artist, and like I know how finicky an airbrush is. It is not an exact science. And the idea that somebody did 14 or 28 frames a second, or however many frames a second, they were able to perfectly airbrush these, you know, images and then they're also moving while they're going i mean like it's just like mind-blowing it's like what what and the light trails on the uh, motorcycles i mean it's just like again there's so many things that i'm excited to explore but that's just one of them so this is uh so yeah so this is akira the documentary it's me diving in talking about how cool this movie is and also not only like how it was made and like breaking down like the mind-blowing techniques that went into it, but also just like the massive influence that it has on pop culture and continues to have to this day. I mean, it's one of those movies that holds up. Like you watch it, I just saw the 4K restoration a few months ago and it's just like, it gives me goosebumps. It's so beautiful. It holds up 100%. And I mean, I had a friend, uh, Dan Dos Santos, he's a really fantastic artist. And he told me about showing his son Akira for the first time. And his son was so taken by it that he wanted to be Tetsuo for Halloween. And so he painted his arm all like mecha weird and like sent me a picture. And it was just like the cutest thing. And it's something that, you know, still today, like kids get interested in. Like you just watch it and it's so mystifying and it just draws you in. Even if you don't necessarily understand it, there's something about it that like grabs you and holds you. 
What was your first experience with Akira? So my first experience with Akira was on Sci-Fi Channel. They had this huge mega event. I remember like I was as addicted to Sci-Fi Channel growing up. And they were like, oh, we're going to play Akira. Get ready, motherfucker. You know, there was just like all these commercials. And so I was like, I'm ready. My body's ready. I'm so excited. Because <laughs> back, back then in like the, I'm not sure when this was. It was probably like early 2000s. But back then you couldn't get your hands on anime as easily as you do today. I mean, you had to buy crappy fan subs on, you know, on VHS, on eBay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's where we were at at that time so to be able to finally see it for me as somebody who was like in early high school or something i was just like wow i can finally watch this thing i've been hearing about for so long and seeing in wizard magazine and oh and i remember being so frustrated because it was going on during dinner and my mom kept being like oh come and eat dinner you know and i was just like going in and like shoving food in my face as fast as i could to like run back out and like not miss anything so, yeah, that was my first Akira experience. <laughs> it, it was the biggest tease to me when, when I was young um, because Sci-Fi Channel played that flick uh, in the 90s before Pittsburgh got Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, mm -hmm. But there would be commercials for it on USA. I, re I remember it clear as day. And it would be Sci-Fi Channel commercials on USA promoting mm -hmm. Akira in like 1992 or something like this. And I'm like, well, how do we get that? Like, like it was right. so messed up. I wanted to like try to get my parents to str strategically plan vacations so that we could be in some other state uh, and and <laughs> and screw whatever kind of activities were planned. Like, we just need to find a hotel that has Sci-Fi Channel so that I could watch this thing. How weird was it uh, when you finally see Akira and then you realize the dude with the red coat isn't Akira? Yeah, I know. I was, I was, you know, a lot of it at the time really went over my head. And that's something that I talked to a lot of people and they're like, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. I love it. I don't get it, you know, but recently I've been watching it a whole lot, obviously, to like get ready for this documentary and revisiting it. And I feel like really great that I finally like get it. Like I'm like, yes, you know, like I get it. I've made it. It kind of reminds me of like Dune when I read it in high school and I was like, I know that I am not understanding all of this. And then I went, did a second, you know, tilt at the windmill when I was in my early 20s, still wasn't getting it. You know, it wasn't until my 30s that I felt like I was getting a good grasp on it. And so this is kind of like another one of those things where it's like you watch it when you're younger and you're like, what? And then you're a little older, you're like, okay, maybe. But now that my brain is fully formed, I feel like I totally like, I get it. I feel like Chris Claremont X-Men prepared you to to get it because you pick up a random issue of x-men whenever he was cooking and editorial wasn't really fucking with him too much and he could do his own thing uh you read those issues just kind of randomly and you're like what what the fuck man you just know that there's some history before it uh and he's clearly going someplace but it's byzantine and you got to kind of do a lot of yeah. work and you know as far as i know you're the only other person i know who's ever read x-men you know every, every issue up to a point uh, so there, there is some stuff that is like left up to the reader it's, it, it, or the viewer. It's a challenging flick. It's mm -hmm. not simple. And one of the things that fascinates me the most about it is how it was created well before Otomo finished the manga. So there aren't too many examples in pop culture where the creator gets two bites of the, of the apple in that way. 
You know, I, yes. I, I suppose Game of Thrones will be that whenever uh, George R.R. R. Martin, you know, if he picks, <laughs> picks up the laptop and gets back to business. But the flick was done when he was like still on what, like volume two or something, volume three. He wasn't very far along in, in the uh, manga. So in a lot of ways that to my taste, the the anime, um, the the sections from the manga that it explores, it tightens those up. But the ending is a little bit whimsical, and he tightens that part up when he gets around to it the second time in the manga. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I love when I've, you know, I've already started doing my research for this, it's like kind of an ongoing thing, and that's one thing that I love to do is research. That's why I enjoy making video essays. It's like the research is a big part of it for me. And an interesting fun fact that I learned about the manga series was that he was apparently... Uh, having trouble with ending the manga series and was like felt a little stuck on it and Yodorowsky I believe was in Tokyo and I love Alejandro Yodorowsky like he's like my spiritual grandfather like he's the best and there's like a Yodorowsky connection I was like of course there's a Yodorowsky connection to Akira because like these guys are magical mages uh artistic mages and like so uh he was in I guess Tokyo and they were like who do you want to have dinner with like anyone Yodorowsky, who do you want to have dinner with? And he was like, I'd like to have dinner with Otomo. And so he ended up having dinner with Otomo. And apparently they got really drunk on whiskey. And Otomo was like, hey, like, what do you think about my ending? And Yodorowsky was like, oh, I think you should do this, you know, like doing his Yodorowsky thing. And apparently he doesn't even remember what he said because he was so drunk. But Otomo was uh, was like, yes, I will take your suggestion. And apparently Yodorowsky helped him find the ending of the Akira manga. And it's just, that's another thing I love about my job and like talking about all these different like artists that I love is that you find these interesting connections between and you're like, of course, you know. Another person I love is Stanley Kubrick. And Otomo is very, like such a big Stanley Kubrick fan as well. And it's like, oh, of course he is, you know, like these are, the masters and of course they love each other so much i love it it just makes me so happy yeah there it's it's unicorn creators you know like like mount rushmore type creators uh there there aren't very many of them in mm-hmm. in pop culture and they all find one another uh there mm-hmm. was there's this great photo that jeff darrow sent me uh it was some matrix related event so you have the wachowskis there and that's fine but mobius is there the animation director Rintaro, uh, Otomo, and Jeff Darrow in in this flick. Jodorowsky might have been there also. Like I, I have to go back <laughs> into my thing, but it was just this like like imagine being a fly on the wall, you know, at at that at that little get together. Oh, the coolest! That would be the coolest. What a meeting of the minds. So I'm really excited to promote this Kickstarter. Uh, we on Cartoonist Cafe. It's just super rare that we that we do something like this uh, because we're sort of putting ourselves on the line a little bit, man, because, because you got to hit your marks, right. Or else, or else we're punks for driving people to, to, to your, to you, to your Kickstarter. But I have so much faith in you and I'm very excited about you. Uh, you, you, your work inspires me a whole lot because you do, you get things done. And uh, very recently you were just in Japan. Uh, was that some, some reconnaissance for this documentary? Yes, it was business and pleasure. Uh, I've always wanted to go to Japan ever since I was a small child. My 
uh, dad is an engineer, a mechanical engineer and a rocket scientist. And so he was going over there working with Japan when I was like very small and he'd bring these trinkets over. And I was like, what geishas, what are these? Like, I just was so taken by the, and this was before anime, you know, like I was already taken with this culture and then anime happened. And then I was like, oh, you know, I watch anime every day still. Like I haven't stopped. So I'm a total weeb. And like, I've always wanted to go. So I finally got to go. And it was so cool because not only am I going to just experience the culture and be there, which by the way, Tokyo lives up to the hype. It was everything I wanted and more. It was just as cool as I thought it was. People were like, what if you get there and it sucks? And I was just like, what? Get out of here, naysayer. It's going to be awesome. And then it, again, it was. It was like the coolest. Uh, but it was so neat to not only go over there for funsies, but also because I was like having legitimate business meetings with people about this documentary and making connections out there and trying to find people to interview for this. And that just like, it just made me feel my heart was so full. You know, I was like, I really like if I went back in time and I talked to my child self and I was like, I'm in Japan right now having business meetings with people about a, you know, a documentary about Akira. She would be like, wow, we've really made it you're doing so good like oh you know i can get through all this crap if i if i know that i can get where you are today and uh yeah and i made some great connections i had some wonderful meetings with some people and i'm looking forward to going back uh the thing about because it's really important for me to have uh the japanese also a part of this obviously because it is a product of japan but it, their culture is very different than American culture. And that's a lot of, you know, I like their culture because of it, because they are so different. And one of the things that I really respect about Japanese business is that they are not really motivated by money. Like they're motivated by, does this make sense? Is this a good project? You know, is this something that we really like? Is this a person that we really like? And so you have to have a personal relationship with them and you have to build a relationship with them and have them go okay yes like this person's cool they're legit you know like i like having dinner with them i like having drinks with them they brought me some cute gifts like you know they're they're doing the dance like you have to be very respectful when you go over there and so this was part of me starting to build my relationships in japan because i will need their help with this and it's also a very small um industry so if you make one wrong step like they're gonna tell each other like hey this girl she sucks like you don't want her so i have to be very like mindful and careful of like how i navigate this but again i'm down to do it and it may take a couple years to get that relationship where it needs to be to get who i need to be a to be a part of this um specifically kodansha is somebody that i really need on my side. And so I'm going to have to do a presentation for them eventually. Uh, maybe when I go back this fall, we'll see things are still percolating as it were. And, you know, I would obviously love to have Katsuhiro Otomo be a part of the documentary uh, and anyone else who worked on the film. Uh, but it is like a lot of the people who worked on the film are older. And so, you know, some of them have passed on already. Some of them just have no interest. Uh, Atomo specifically, he's somebody who isn't really into the limelight, likes to just live his life. And uh, like I said, I would love to have him, but it's also something where the documentary doesn't hinge on his participation. It would be just the cherry on top, you know, 
but it's not something where if he doesn't want to participate and wants to just, you know, keep his distance, that's totally fine, you know, and I super respect that, but we'll see, you know, uh, and I, there's a lot of people who like, I'm kind of in that six degrees of separation where I've talked to people who like know people who know him, you know? So it's like, by the end of this, he will have heard my name. I know that <laughs> like, he will know my name. I don't know if I'll get to meet him or not, but like I said, just fingers crossed. Uh, so, yeah. Sort of the beauty of the art of the documentary is that uh, the documentarian always sets out with a, with a goal. You go out, you get your footage over some period of time, and then the real documentary happens in the editing stage. Uh, it becomes what it is in, in the editing stage. So with your sort of preliminary optimism, can you give the people a little bit of a layout of, of uh, what, what the goals are right now with, with, yes. the, with the film and everything? Yes, yes. So my goal is to make a 90-minute documentary, you know, very standard. It may balloon into two hours, we'll see, but my goal right now is 90 minutes. And it's going to be a documentary where I am hosting it. So there will be segments where I am in there kind of, explaining and breaking down things like I've been doing on YouTube for like over a decade, like specifically maybe things like, oh, let's talk about how 2D animation works, just so you have an idea of like what we're talking about here. So there'll be segments like that. And then there will also be interviews with lots of different people. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be in the interview part. I mean, I will be interviewing people, but I'm just going to keep the focus on the interviewee and not on myself. Um, but we have... Um, a lot of different interviewees already. You are one of our interviewees. Uh, you're such a uh, you're such a wonderful comic historian. You're so well spoken, and you just know so much about Otomo and Akira. So it's like I had to get you, of course. And then I also have Joe Peacock, who's going to be uh, in it. And he, if you don't know who he is, is the man who collected the largest archive of production artwork from the movie. So he had collected so much of the cell animation. And I remember seeing him in Dragon Con uh, and seeing his presentation on Akira where he had art from the movie and was like pausing the movie to show you this. And it was just so mind blowing. Um, so he's going to be a part of it. We have Mike, Hall Mike Haller, who's the guy who wrote the American screenplay and also was like a producer on bringing it over to America. And then Marvin Gleicher, the CEO of Manga Entertainment, who, you know, <laughs> is a big influence in the anime, bringing anime to the West world. Um, so, yeah, and we're just going to kind of talk about right now loosely. Uh, I want to start with just like, let's talk about Akira. What is Akira? You know, break that down. Then talk about animation. You know, what is 2D animation? Break down some of that sort of stuff. And then go into like the influence and how, you know, who is influenced uh, and, you know, how it's still being, you know, influencing people today. And interspersed through all of that, you know, having different artists and people who work on the film talking about their experience with it and, and how they were influenced by it. So, yeah. You accomplish a lot of stuff on your own. Uh, like you said, Bed, you, you've been running your YouTube channel uh, for a ten, over mm -hmm. 10 years at this point mm -hmm. and uh, accumulated a heck of an audience that way. A documentary, that's a pretty reasonably big undertaking in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, so you must have some, some uh, assistance uh, do you have do you have a small crew put together that that will you know hold the camera or the boom mic or any of that kind of stuff? What's that look like? 
Yes. Uh, right now, I have an executive producer, Mark Alamares, and he has a studio here in Burbank, Mobion Studio, and they do a lot of, you know, esports, live streaming, um, all sorts of stuff over at their place. And so he's got, you know, his own crew and equipment, lighting, cameras, all of that good stuff. So I'll be definitely working with him uh, on and, and being over there at his studio and filming some of this there. And he's also like a huge fan of Akira, like myself. So when I was putting this together, you know, I've been talking to Mark for years. He loved my Greater Creators series and got in touch with me like like years and years ago. And we've always wanted to work together, but like there was nothing ever that kind of like made sense. And this, I finally, you know, when I had this idea, I was like, oh, Mark is perfect for this. Because again, he's someone who understands the property and like enjoys it and loves it as much as I do. So I definitely want to make sure that like the people that I'm working with on this are also like on the same page. So I've got him locked in and he's been phenomenal. He's the one who helped me set up a lot of the meetings in Japan with people because he does a lot of business over there. Uh, he also has a sister Mobion studio in, in Tokyo. So he's been phenomenal and has worked so hard like helping me get these interviewees. He's been perfect. And then I'm talking to a director of photography right now uh, about working together on just like helping me, you know, get all the technicals and make sure everything's lit right. It's like I know I, how I want it to look, but I need to, as the director, just tell somebody else like this is what I need, make it happen, you know, and then let's take a look at it and then we'll change it as we need to go. So, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's it so far. Uh, but like I said, he's got a lot of other people and I'm going to be writing, I'm going to be directing, I'm going to be hosting, and I'm going to be editing. Um, I'm hoping to find some editors to help me, but that just, again, it depends on the budget. And that's one of the big things is like, I have to see how the Kickstarter does and what my budget is. And, you know, the more budget I have, the more people I can hire who can help me get it done faster. But if it's, you know, comes in at our initial goal, then it may, you know, I, it's a lot of it's going to be put on me to do, which I love editing. Like, well, I don't want to say I love editing. I love hate editing. Like, it's such a slog to sit there, you know, at the computer, and there's just so much and so many micro decisions you have to make. It's just like a thousand micro decisions you have, you have to make. But it just feels so good when you put something together. Like, the, the end feeling of having that video that you're proud of and that, like, gets your point across is just, like, such a high that it's worth all of the suffering of sitting at the computer because I don't love sitting at a computer looking at a screen all day. That's not really how I like to live. But again, it's just the reward, the treat at the end is, is worth all of the suffering. I mean, that's one of the things that I always appreciated about you and your work is that you are of the DIY mentality and you handle a lot of your own business and, and uh, you have made good on uh, at least one or two Kickstarters in the past. Yes. I've ran one other Kickstarter it was in, I believe, 2015, and it was for the Comic Book Girl 19 show on YouTube, my YouTube show. And I just was working as a tattoo artist at the time, and I wanted to quit my job and work on the show full time and just make more episodes more quickly because it was hard to, you know, make them as fast as people wanted them. And yeah, we I think we asked for like 20,000 and I believe we got around 60,000 and we made our our goal on the first day and like the first day I quit my job and I was like, "Bye." <laughs> That's know? awesome. Like, That's a boss. I love you. I love you. And you know, my my uh my old boss was like, "You'll be back." And I was like, "No, I won't." <laughs> and 
I never went back. And so ever since that Kickstarter, like it did propel me into being able to work full time on my YouTube channel. And so I've been doing that ever since. And I feel like this is kind of this Kickstarter echoes that Kickstarter where being on YouTube for over a decade, I feel like I've done it. And I feel really good about what I've done. And I'm very happy with the stuff that I've made. And I'm not saying that I would never make anything for YouTube again. I think YouTube is a great platform in so many ways. But for my particular style of content, the algorithm is not as forgiving. And it doesn't really push a lot of my stuff. And so I feel like I'm being pushed out of the nest. But I'm grateful because I need to be pushed out of the nest. And I want to go to the next level and do something a little a little more challenging. And so, I mean, I've already made three hour long documentaries for the Epic History X-Men series. I've, you know, created the, uh, the greater creator series I coasted, wrote that. And so I just feel like the natural, like next step would to be, would be to make a full length feature film. And I've always wanted to do that. And I just feel like I'm ready. You know, I know that, I know that there's a lot that I'm going to learn as I go along and I'm sure that there will be challenges and uh you know i'll make some mistakes here and there but that's what you know that's what it is you gotta you gotta put yourself out there and go to the next level or just kind of stay where you are which isn't for me you know i just i like to continue to i want to see how far i can grow (laughs) yeah absolutely man and and I, i think uh certainly when you're young like an important thing to do is to burn that bridge, that little tether of job security, and then yeah. when when a when a boss says you'll be back, man, you got to be stubborn enough to never have that happen. So con- yes. congratulations on taking steps like that. And uh, this is an interesting wrinkle that that uh, you're not going to disseminate this this documentary on a, you know a platform that you built up with five hundred thousand or so subscribers built in. This is a feature film, so you're going to be looking for distribution and and stuff like that. This is the real deal. So you're going to need some real some real funds to make this happen. Let's talk about yes. that. Let's talk about that Kickstarter, like what the budget is you're looking for and what some of the things people can uh expect for uh th- as incentives to uh yes. to donate to the cause. Yes. To the cause. Uh so my initial goal and I'm, you know, I'm into uh you know, magic and occult stuff and whatever, numerology, all that stuff, you know. So my first initial goal is 2000 or $255,555. So I like those five times, you know, that's a really nice number. So that's my initial goal. And for that, you get a documentary about Akira. And since I am trying to find distribution for it, I can't offer... I could, but it may it could mess up some distribution stuff. So I'm just offering a private screening, uh, digital screening for when it's done. So I don't have anything like Blu-rays or um, digital downloads for people, but there will be a screening. So it's like, you will see the film, uh, you know, you're going to do that. But then a lot of things besides the film, uh, there's a lot of cute merch that I have. We're going to have stickers, t-shirts, posters, pins, uh, you know, all the stuff. There's a, like a there's like a beanie at the higher tier, and uh, I had my friend Matthew Skiff help me create some of the artwork that's being used in that. And also, uh, I do cosplay, so I have like a Dana Canada uh, <laughs> cosplay photo. You know, so you can get an eight by ten cosplay photo, uh, postcards, like thank you postcards, like all sorts of cool stuff. Because over the years, 
I've made so much merch and that's another weird little thing that I just love to do is I love to design merch and there's something so satisfying about having an idea for a cute little item that you would want and then you make it and then you see the physical product come in and you see that little enamel pin and it's just like, ah, it's so, it feels so good. And the thing about the YouTube is like, you know, the YouTube has never made its money back. It's a loss leader. So I've funded the YouTube through things like merchandising and like creating really cute merch throughout the years. So this is no different. You know, there will be a lot of cute merch for you. And then also, this is another thing that I think is pretty cool. Uh, on some higher tier stuff, you will also get interviews or access to full length interviews. Because we're going to be interviewing a lot of heavy hitters, a lot of really cool people. But obviously, you can't have an hour interview of somebody in the film because the film's only 90 minutes. So my plan is to have full-length interviews available for people that they can watch and, you know, see, see the whole thing, you know, if you want to get more. And that will be coming out before the movie comes out. So, you know, I will have those available for people if you know they're interested in those sorts of things which i think if you like akira you'll probably be down for this like for example for you you know we're gonna have probably we're probably gonna talk for an hour or more and then they'll have uh, access to that so i got some special features uh and yeah what else uh there's also like things like imdb credits you know if you want a co-producer credit or an associate producer credit and you want to see your name on imdb if you want to have your name in the credits you know a little thank you there is also that as well. So there's a lot of different like little little things that people can choose from. There's 13 different tiers that you can donate to. And we also have a few stretch goals as well. So our first stretch goal is that $333,333. And for that, we're going to be able to hire a director of photography. We're going to be able to do um, – oh, also there's going to be an L.A. screening so like for that, we'll also be able to do a New York screening, you know, we'll also be able to do, you know, a few other things. And also like Akira the Don uh, is a collaborator that I've worked with. He's the master of Meaning Wave. If you don't know about him, check him out on YouTube or SoundCloud. He's a musician who creates this amazing, um, he's created an amazing genre of music where he takes people who say inspirational, cool things and puts music behind it. I got into him through Watts Wave. I love Alan Watts. And so he's taken a lot of Alan Watts lectures and turned them into total bops that are absolutely fire. And we've worked together before in the past on Dune Wave. And we actually have a full length Dune Wave album. Dune Wave 2 is coming out in October. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but I want to hire him to do the composing and, and create music for it. So at that first stretch goal, we'll be able to have him. Then our next stretch goal is $555,555. And for that, I'll be able to go over to Japan and you know interview people over there and do all that sort of stuff. And then we have a million dollar stretch goal as well. And that one, uh, and also too, for like each of these goals, there's just so many little things, but it's like, oh, you get extra postcards or extra photos or an extra button or an extra uh, magnet. So there's also like little merch things that get unlocked every time we hit a stretch goal in addition to extra things that, that you get. So it's, you know, and it's all laid out very elegantly on the Kickstarter. It's very easy to see. Uh, you wouldn't believe the amount of graphics I made for this thing. Cause again, it's just me like making this stuff. Um, I do have some production assistants that comes in and, and helps me here and there, but mostly it's just like me at the computer at Photoshop 
making a graphic that's like this long with 13 tiers showing every single merch item, which is like, oh, it was a whole day of shenanigans. But I think it looks really good and it's very slick and I'm very excited about getting all this, getting it out there because I've been talking about this for so long. It feels so good to finally launch. <sighs> yeah. So let the let the people know it's it's going to be uh it's May thirtieth to uh, June thirtieth, and yes. uh in you know an ideal world you you hit your goal you hit st- some stretch goals and stuff and and uh, you know July first comes comes along. Uh, how long is it going to take for you to start to hit the ground running and uh, pr- producing this thing? Because you're going to have to fulfill some orders, uh, magnets yes. and things like that. So when do you anticipate? Uh, starting production well there's actually some people who are already like kind of ready to be interviewed that are in town so i'm gonna like immediately start setting up interviews with people like mike howler uh, marvin gleicher and get them in the studio and get that done um and then the first kind of leg is i'm going to be doing you know diving into the research writing my portion of the segments and kind of just writing an outline for the whole thing and then while I'm doing that, also putting in, uh, you know, putting in my orders for all of my merch items, which I mean, a lot of the files are already done and ready to go. Uh, so putting that stuff in while I'm writing and researching and then uh, interviewing. And then I'm going to be reaching out to people like you who are out of state and figuring out when we can have you fly in uh, and then getting, you know, more interviews done there. And then again, I'm going to have to go back over to Japan and talk to Kodansha because I really uh, need their blessing because I would love to use clips from the film in the documentary. Uh, and so to do that, I need I need them to be on my side and be be down for the cause. So I'm going to have to go back, like I said, maybe in, in the fall. And that's kind of the thing that I feel like is is maybe might take the longest amount of time is just to build the relationship with them right and, you know, get them excited about the project and, and, and on board with it. But again, if they don't want to release clips or do things like that, I'm a very creative person. We can always work around things and make something happen, you know, and sometimes those sometimes those sort of stumbling blocks end up you know, giving you some sort of flash of brilliance and you end up doing something really cool that you wouldn't have done before. So we'll see how it all pans out. But I think it's going to take about two years to get it done, um, realistically. Possibly three, depending upon getting the rights and things like that. Um, But yeah, so mainly the first leg is just like writing my stuff, getting all my interviews, building the relationship with Kodansha and then we go into the editing phase. And then hopefully if we hit certain stretch goals, I'll be able to like have animations and like other cool things put in there. So I'll have the animators working and doing their sort of stuff. And then, uh, yeah, there's just so many moving parts. It's like, it's a whole thing. It's so much. People get antsy and, uh, certainly the internet has created a situation where people want, uh, instant gratification. So, uh, over the course of a two, three year production, uh, do you have specific plans on how to kind of keep people appraised? Uh, will it be a monthly thing, uh, quarterly, weekly? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I'll be putting the updates on to the Kickstarter. Is like whenever we're making moves and doing things, I'll be letting people know like, hey, this week we're interviewing at Pisker. Oh, this week we're doing this. And then that's also why I'm doing the full-length interviews and having those come out 
before. So it's like, oh, you get little snippets and you see like, oh, wow, this is a great interview. How is this going to be cut into the film? So that'll be in there. And then I also plan to have all of the physical rewards done by, you know, before the end of the year. So like before the end of the year, and I don't think that'll be a problem. I've done so many of these things. Like I, I'm pretty dialed in on how to, you know, get physical merch made and then ship it out. You know, shipping is, is a whole shenanigan, but I got some, some good people on my side who can help me ship out all these orders and who know what they're doing. So, so yeah, so hopefully the, the interviews and the updates and things like that will keep people excited about it. And also, too, I mean, I do uh, – I'll be continuing to talk about it in, you know, when I'm streaming on Twitch. Like, I stream on Twitch, and, um, and I'm hoping to maybe start a podcast at some point and maybe, you know, like kind of give some updates while I'm podcasting as well. But we'll see. You know, we'll see what we have time for. There'll be a link in the description below for for the Kickstarter, but uh, let the people know. I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's a Venn diagram uh, where there are people who are like, my two favorite YouTube channels have collided right now at this very moment. But there, but there, there are some fresh faces uh, probably that that will bring it bring it to the to the game. So let the people know what some of your social media accounts are, where you you know they could get get a good sense of your personality and what you, what you've yes. been up to. Uh, yes, you can find me on YouTube as Comic Book Girl 19. And if you want to hang out with me on Twitter or Instagram or Twitch, I am Danica, D A N I K A X I X. So, which, uh, which Akira um, presentation do you, do you prefer? Do you, uh, do you watch Japanese with subtitles? Do you uh, listen to this streamline one where it's Leonardo doing the voice of Kaneda? I generally like to just listen to it in Japanese with subtitles. I love subtitles and I just love the Japanese language and listening to it. But every now and then, like, I'll pop over and, and listen to an English dub, you know, if I'm feeling it. But mostly I listen to it in Japanese. I'm trying to, like, learn Japanese through listening to it through anime. And so, uh, so that is always really helpful for me. Totally. The, the one cool piece about that uh, kind of remastered audio version when they came out like 2000 or whatever was with the DVD was that there was that fantastic behind the scenes documentary. That's mm -hmm. some footage you need to get your hands on for sure. Where I know. my favorite piece of that doc, and it kind of is bolstered by what you mentioned about like with uh, Joe Peacock having all that artwork was uh, there was this one scene in that doc where it's just some of those building skyscraper sequences and there is somebody who's painting the windows into these skyscrapers and they have this this arcane tool that's like it's a kind of a t-square that has a little bevel in it and then the brush is like has a stylus that you put into the bevel to keep to keep level and there's like a one-haired brush to like put each of the windows and kind of create little office spaces inside there and just seeing that person do that knowing just how short that building will be seen on the screen unbelievable totally i know exactly what you're talking about and it blows my mind seeing that and also too a lot of that was even covered up like during joe's um presentation he was like okay so this is like a one second flash shot of this city and then here's the background that they painted for it and most of it you don't even see it's like it is just like wow, yeah it's true know? so so yeah like there there are the it's like 
here are two cells that have painted buildings on them of like you know 100 foot you know 100 floor skyscrapers and then you see in between those buildings you see you see a whole set of buildings behind them and that's what joe would show up that was his money shot that was his way to like end the presentation because there's a whole cityscape back there that is completely covered up by those frontal buildings that yeah there's like a little depth of field stuff play I mean, a little like parallax scrolling where like those front buildings move a little bit so there has to be you know something something for you to see while those buildings are moving and it just it, that is the greatest illustration of the of the tender loving care that went into uh to putting putting that flick together absolutely and i remember him too showing like and look in these windows there's like different little pieces of furniture and stuff in there like it's like somebody went in here and made like each of them different and it just it reminds me of that quote from the cat returns that like miyazaki uh it, well, i don't know if it's miyazaki but it's studio ghibli film where it's like when an, when an artist puts you know their soul into a piece of work like it becomes alive it takes on a life of its own and i feel like akira is 100 percent that like he's so many people just put pieces of their soul into this and it's not just one person i mean it's an army of people just going so hard <laughs> on this and it just becomes alive it's just like it's a living breathing thing and that's it's magic work that is created with that sort of rigor it absolutely begs to have this exact kind of scrutiny uh, applied to it and there's a reason why there are uh already videos on youtube that have millions of views for people who who are kind of doing their little dissections and stuff it's going to be the first uh feature film documentary you know that little behind the scenes piece on the you know pioneer dvd or whatever it was that was like 20 minutes that was you know 25 minute piece just so like a little cherry on top to get you to buy this thing on dvd we're, mm -hmm. we're gonna be talking about a 90 minute flick where you're getting into the nitty-gritty and i need the cartoonist kayfabe audience to support that in a big way trust the selfish motivation as we always say i want to see it <laughs> <laughs> i want to see it so i need everybody to uh to uh, support this documentary very exciting time for you and super stoked uh for you to embark on this danica thank you so much i really appreciate it and i'm more than happy to come back and talk i'm sure as we get things going you know people We'll take this a little bit more seriously and see that it's like a real thing that's happening and get more people involved. Totally. All, all, all they got to do is check out your YouTube and, and see how thorough you are with stuff. I mean, Danica read Jerusalem, so you don't have to. And <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times I tried to read that goddamn book, man, uh, but, and, and, and you, did, you did the work. And I like yes, Alan I Moore. I love Alan Moore. Yeah, he, it's, it's a tome. It's like, it's like reading. It, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. But that's like I said, I, I did it. So you don't have to. <laughs> you, yeah, you're so thorough. Can I show off some of my cool Joe Peacock stuff, man, since we brought up his name? These are like my, this is my, my prized possessions in life, man. Whenever he was first putting together his Art of Akira exhibit, uh, I knew him through hacker channels, really. Like uh, we, we met at, um, at, uh, hacker conventions and he was this big tall hulking tattooed up dude who is down like a hallway like your piss gore your piss gore and i'm like fuck i don't know who this guy is man and he looks kind of scary he's definitely a muscle head and then when he approaches i'm like oh i see some like ghost in a shell tattoos on his dude i see akira tattoos this thing i'm like okay this is this this is a friendly face 
we got to know each other, man, and uh, he revealed that he had all this stuff. So I helped him set up like the kind of maiden voyage art show. We had a we had a, like a little comic book cartoon museum here here in town that's no, that's no longer uh, active, but he did his kind of maiden voyage of that presentation and that that art show here in town and, and he gave me a couple little gifts showed them on the channel before but always happy to show them out so like the one that he tossed me that was like pretty cool man is this is exploding bike whatever the the uh like canada's gang uh gets kind of fucked with by the clowns the second time uh so that's just like an exploding clown gang bike but like the the real money is uh, this Tetsuo right here. Kind of hard to see. It comes with the gang oh. with the Ganga as well. So it has like the pencil drawing with like the blue color pencil, just like those um that thing that stuff that Kodansha's putting out now. They're like going to be three volumes of the uh, the animation stuff that the assets that Otomo so the the assets that Otomo still has that Joe Peacock doesn't. Uh, <laughs> you know they're compiling that and they just recently put out the second volume of that. But um, it has it has uh, the actual pencil drawing with the color guides and, uh, you know, the, the animation cell. That, this is like when right before the arm starts to grow, whenever he's still kind of trying to hide it from his old lady, Kauri, <laughs> at, in the Olympic Stadium. And he's kind of bending over on his his uh, throne. That is so cool. Cherish I'm that so stuff. Jelly. Cherish oh, that stuff, so man. Jelly. That's so funny. And like, you know, it's, it's like thinking about this, like the reason I wanted to do this film and like the impetus of this was, uh, on Twitch, I, I watched it with people on Twitch, uh, on mystery Danic theater. And like, I got a little wine drunk while I was watching it. And I was just like flipping out the whole time. I was just like, somebody drew this. You don't understand. Like somebody drew this. Like there's, uh lens flares like there's no camera there's no camera like i was like getting like really like crazy and like by the end of it like i was like crying i was like, <laughs> like it's just so beautiful like i'm literally crying on camera at how beautiful akira is and how, how much work went into it and i was like thinking about it so i was already thinking like i need to do a documentary what do i need to do a documentary about and then i was like walking around later and i was like ah it's akira like it's like it got me so like i'm sitting here crying about it like it's something that i care about so that's what you should do danica and here we are today yeah yeah it's it's crazy man like there's this this one shot i always think about man it's uh it's um tetsuo on the ground while he's like kind of writhing around and the camera pans in on tetsuo but there is no camera panning in it's animated <laughs> that way and the the ground perspective is you know there's rocks and little debris on the ground and like that's being animated to create this illusion of a ca the camera panning in on him and it's just it's it's insane because it doesn't even feel rotoscoped or anything and but and you know that's the kind of stuff that you'll be investigating on on the documentary like like are there any tricks to doing this stuff the rigor of it is inspiring as hell and still you know to this day that's why that's why it has stood the test of time because so much effort and work was put into that at a time when when that was possible uh you know the yen is worth nothing now man like like when you go to when you go to japan you know like your, your u.s dollar stretches pretty far and in the 80s japan was so flush probably for the first time since world war ii 
and there was like wasn't the, you know a bunch of corporations like all those little patches and decals on the uh, on the Canada bike like those are the companies yeah. that put money into m- helping this this they created like the Akira company or something right like like they they made yeah, the Akira committee yeah that's it the, the Akira committee you know that's a, that's a once in a lifetime kind of uh, endeavor and Akira is the the result of that yeah, I mean, it was yeah during their economic miracle in the 80s. And also, I mean, the the VHS market, I mean, they just had money. Like, it was this exploding market for the first time. People could have movies in their house. Like, and people, you know, again, that's like a lot of people don't have that context or think about it like that because now we're just so spoiled right. with media, you know. And back then it wasn't like that. So, like, there was all this money being put in. And so, like, that's a part of how it was able to be created. But... To me, it's incredible. I mean, it's such like a just like lightning in a bottle where all the stars aligned. And it's incredible that one artist, Atomo, was just given so much free reign to just do what he wanted to do. Even though he had all these different companies working with him, they just like trusted him to make something awesome. And then he did. And it's like, and how many artists ever? ever get that you know i mean it's just so rare that somebody has that sort of opportunity and he took it and he just swung for the fences and it was a home run like totally uh he does have a midas touch and and he he definitely kind of he holds firm uh with 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 his ideas and with the things that he wants to do like when you are in japan and you're in a mandarake looking at all the old comics and things or even if you're at like the village vanguard and checking out the manga like you notice that the Akira books are bigger than all the rest. And that was something that he pushed for. And he has always been about state of the art technology. And that's why, like, you know, the first computer color comics in, in America were, were uh, the epic uh, Akiras that, that a lot of people like, you know, denounce. How can Marvel do such a thing? That was Otomo's choice. The, the music in uh, Akira is revolutionary for, for Japanese filmmaking. Uh, the use of computer animation was just not done man like like before that there were those like shit commercials with that little wireframe finger going back and forth to like you know try to get you to come to devry university or something like that was the height of computer animation at that moment but he he stretched these people you know and 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 got them to do things uh that were sort of outside their comfort zone really pushed a lot of media forward um through through that the production of that and uh it needs to be scrutinized, and uh, we need a documentary like this to kind of answer all the questions. I have so much confidence that, that in you that you that you know the questions to ask and uh, the answers to discover while producing this documentary. And that's why I have so much confidence in you to do a good product. I'm excited for you, and I want the cartoonist kayfabe audience to uh, to pledge money so that uh, this thing could see the light of day. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So before we get out of here, Danica, the link is in the description below this video where uh, people can click on to go to the Kickstarter. But uh, let the people know what your social media channels are. Uh, give the, 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 final sh- the final spiel. <laughs> the final spiel. Um, yes, so uh, you can check me out on YouTube at Comic Book Girl 19. Uh, I actually just put out a Berserk manga breakdown, uh, volume part one of two. So I'm going over the themes and meanings of Berserk. I've been like really loving those uh, beautiful editions that Dark Horse has been putting out. Those huge ones are so awesome. 
And then you can check me out on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Patreon, and uh, Twitch at DanicaXIX and Danica with a K. Excellent. Let's reconvene in a couple of weeks as the uh, as the Kickstarter is coming to its close. For the, the way I understand it, you get your big chunk of loot up front, you get a big chunk at the end, and in the middle kind of does its thing. So I'd like to help you out like uh, and, and, and get another bite of the apple, man, and, and remind people that this thing is out there and it can't help happen without the support of uh, your audience. So let's, uh, let's do this again in a couple of weeks. Yes, absolutely. Excellent. Thanks so much, Danica. Thank you, Ad.